We're live, pal. Here we go. He's a man. He's 56, and his team put its rival out of our top 10. And Dabo, well, he's a man too, but he's 53. His team proved this weekend that they're still relevant. The big boys won big, and Alabama continues to improve. Andrew, both of our teams might become bowl eligible this week. What say you? All right, that's a whole lot of information. First of all, the big boys win big, and Alabama improves. You need to stop. Stop right there. I'll get to you on Alabama here in a few minutes, sir. But let's talk about my team this week. My team goes into East Lansing as a three-point three favorite to win, and they walk out with the L. And we're going to get into it, but this is what I've seen about that game, about the LSU and Alabama game, about a couple calls in the Georgia game, is that we want to blame the referees for the way the outcome comes. Now, I'm not going to dispute the fact if you get a targeting call at a, at a right time in the game that when the player leaves the game, if they're having a great game, they're your leader of your defense or whatever it is, as well as you have to take the penalty and all that stuff, that it doesn't matter. But this is what happens. You play 60 minutes. 60. 60 minutes. Average plays in college is over 65. So if you've got one bad play, one bad call, it's not an excuse for you to have not won the game. We're going to get into it with Nebraska because there's five calls that I can point to that I could say, oh, well, we didn't win the game. No, but you didn't put yourselves in a position to win the game. And when you don't put yourselves in a position to win the game, the easy out is, well, it was the referees. It was this. It was that. It was bad calls. Bullshit. It was bad football, and that's your fault, not anybody else. Awesome. You brought a new voice into play here. We hadn't heard that one yet. Good deal. Which one was that? <laughs> oh, it's a referee's fault. That one. Whatever. I don't oh, where I was. Oh. Part. Yeah, but I threw that one. Yeah, in. yeah. I thought it would be nice to yeah. throw it in there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, referees are going to be consistent. Um, inconsistent, obviously. Um, targeting, especially. It's like, is it targeting mm. or not? Um, as drunk, I'll be saying. Save it, because topic two, we're going to get into it, and I want you to make sure you clip this for our fans, because I'm going to be critical of the Crimson Tide. But go ahead, Terry. <laughs> Let's tell them what's on the slate. <laughs> uh, we'll go ahead and get this out before we get there, because there's a, you know, even if you're not an Auburn fan, um, and I don't know if other teams have these Twitter accounts, but there's a guy named Drunk Albie, and he posts some funny stuff, and he... <laughs> During the game the other day, he said that Bama guy should have got ejaculated for that call. Oh, it was and people and people were like arguing with him online, and they were like saying he should have what? And he like doubled down on it, replying to him like his name is Drunk Albie. People, he didn't do it on accident. Oh God! Anyway, no, people don't. And I get bet it. you it got a million impressions. You know oh, what I yeah, mean? Because that's great. just the, that's the world we live in. He got a million impressions for it. Well, let, let's go ahead and start with that game. You know, we I did not I didn't have a lot of time, so I didn't look to see which conferences should go first. So we went with the SEC first last week. Let's do that again. LSU Alabama. Let me run down a little bit of the info here. 
Um, Daniels and Milrow, if you look at the stats, had almost exactly the same game. Uh, Daniels threw for 219. Milrow threw for 219. Um, Daniels had 163 yards rushing. Milrow had 155. Three passing TDs for Daniels. Milrow ran for four touchdowns. Both of these guys showed up and, and did some stuff in this game, and it, it was a pretty big game. Uh, you know, Alabama pulls away with it, though. In the words of our former president of the United States, huge win for the University of Alabama. Here's what's going to taint it, though. The shot on Daniels was targeting because Terry was taking a drink and he thinks I'm an Alabama apologist. I'm going to go ahead and repeat myself. On Daniels was targeting. That is what the targeting rule was designed right. for, was to protect players for plays like that. I don't give a shit if Terry hits me in the hip and leads with the helmet. I'm not going to call that targeting, even though it has been called that way. Yeah. But if I launch, I lead, I drop the helmet into the, into the jaw and yeah. into the chest, that's targeting. That's what the rule is for. Right. So that man should have been ejected. It's unfortunate Daniels went out because here's here's my thing. As much of an I'm an Alabama fan, as much as I joke with y'all, roll tide, and when Nebraska gets the train back on the tracks, I'll be hollering, go big red at you. I don't watch blowout football games. I'm There's too many of them on television for me to watch Alabama beat everybody by 50 every week, okay? What I want to see is a team step up to the challenge of playing in Alabama, playing in LSU, playing a Georgia, playing a whatever, and we're going to get to Missouri. They showed up in Athens this week. Missouri came to play, and Georgia had a few better breaks and a, and I think probably the better uh, athletes on the team. Otherwise, we might be talking about the first upset. But Alabama, LSU, don't let me get it sidetracked. That play matters. You knock the quarterback out. Jalen Daniels can't answer. Almost an entire half of the quarter is gone to the penalty, if not more. On the other side, Milrow took the Alabama Crimson Tide over. It is his football team now. If there was ever a doubt in front of 90,000 in Tuscaloosa, he just beat LSU, and he did it in quite convincing fashion. Here's something that people don't look at. Terry read off the stat lines. Almost 1,000 yards of offense between these two teams. And this ain't the Pac-12. We're going there, but this ain't the Pac-12. A thousand yards of offense. In a, and remember, this rivalry has featured a 9-6 to game, a 9-7 to game, a 21-0 game for the national title. This isn't something where you normally would see these huge shootouts, except for the Joe Burrow year and the subsequent years that have followed. So really great football game up to that point. Um, whether the referees got the horse collar right on L or wrong on LSU and right on Alabama isn't mine to say. Because, again, my perspective is the same with injuries. One play, next play. Man's hurt, next man up. That's how you got to play football. And if you can't do that, you're never going to contend for the national championships. You're not going to be able to raise the trophies. And ultimately, Alabama had a little bit better football team. It also looked like once Milrow went out, and even before then, Saban had said, they've said anyway, that he told them they had to be more aggressive on defense. And that could have been part of the targeting. I mean, let's be yeah. honest. The guy is in his face. He's there. But Saban's defense, save for that play, 
they really started teeing off on LSU and really grinding down LSU's offense. Um, unfortunately, too, on the flip side of it, LSU's defense didn't have nothing for Alabama. And you could tell by the by the getting toward that the the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, they were gassed, they were winded. That defense spent a lot of time out on the field in a very in a basketball game. I mean, that's really what it was. It was a basketball game, really high scoring affair. And unfortunately for LSU, they dropped a third loss. They're out of the picture altogether for the for the SEC championship. And now we're down to a two man race in the West between Ole Miss and Alabama. Um, like I said, happy about the tied victory, not happy about the way uh, Daniels went out of the game. And Terry, I know that was like five minutes. Go ahead, buddy. No, I'm that's gonna take okay. A well, I'll, I'll speak a couple of things there. I think, you know, you talk about Ole Miss being the second team in the West, but I mean, technically they're the second team in the West, but they've got a very outside shot just based on already losing Alabama. They got to, you know, they would have to beat Georgia this weekend. We'll talk more about that later. Um, but as far as the targeting call, you're right. That is exactly as far as injury to the person that is hit. That is um, what that rule was put in place for. He was just right up under his chin. You could see the face mask go back and his helmet's right there. I think a lot of these, though, like you said, leading with a helmet and hitting the hip, they may be doing that. I don't. They may say this. They may be doing that for the defensive player. Because that's the kind of thing that's going to hurt the defensive player, obviously, as opposed to the guy with the ball. Um, but those are two separate kind of things, um, you know, and they are very inconsistent in the way they call them. But they did not have another guy. Obviously, they don't have another Jalen Daniels backing him up. Who does, right? Um, but um, a little bit of defense would have gone a long way for LSU in this game because – if you are counting on shooting out all the lights with your offense all game and you have a little bit of a hiccup, you're toast. Because um, if you're a defensive football team and you lose your quarterback, you've got a lot more of a chance because an entire defense of 11 guys versus we need that quarterback to really, um, to really do well. There's a big difference there. You can lose a lot of your consistency and – and explosiveness by losing that one guy. And that's what they did. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we saw it with Utah. Utah loses Cam Rising, but the defense has still helped them win a lot of games. You know, right. they're 7-2 and two at Utah. I'm not saying that Al or, uh, LSU didn't have that ability. LSU has always had good defenses. Always. And this year, they don't have it, you know. Um, and I say they've had good defenses. Maybe in the SEC they haven't had good defenses because I saw your reaction, but they have better than average defenses. And this year, this year, this year ain't it though. This year is not where they've got a better than average defense. I mean, you know, and we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about SC and, and Washington. You talk about hanging the lights out, you know, um, out in Southern Cal, big win for Washington. And we'll get there. You know, we keep saying that, but uh, wrapping up my thoughts, wrapping up my thoughts on Alabama. It's another feather in the cap for the goat. He's got him going the right direction. I personally think Kentucky could be a little bit of a trap game. They better not come out flat because Mark Stoops, like everybody else, wants to notch that belt and say, I beat Nick Saban. So, um, you know, and Kentucky's defense is very capable. They've got a solid running back. They've got a really, 
really sound way that they attack the attack the game of football. And the biggest factor for them is they don't have somebody like uh, Milrow, who, as you've said time and again, Terry, he'll break it loose, break it loose. Next thing you know, he's 50 yards over the top, and here we go. And, the, you know, here comes the door busted wide open, and that's what Alabama does. So um, really looking forward to seeing how this is going to end. You know I'm invested for my birthday, for the SEC championship with Allison and myself. Uh, we're going to have a great time there, regardless of who's in. But we've got to stop at the East, too, because Georgia, Georgia, um, I think, was surprised with how good Missouri came to play football. So if you have any other thoughts on Alabama, I'm good on Bama because you know I love them. But uh, only Georgia one thought, and, Missouri, and you said the reason I gave kind of a face when you said LSU's always had good defense. LSU's had good defense since Nick Saban showed up. Before that, they had Jerry DiNardo, and they didn't have much of a good anything. <laughs> That's Fair why enough. I gave a little Fair bit enough. of face. But anyway, let's yeah. move on to that Georgia-Missouri game, and that ended up 30-21 to 21 in Georgia's favor. Um. You know, the only stats I really picked up on here, um, I didn't watch as many games this week. I watched a little bit. We had a big uh, soccer tournament this weekend, so it took me away from the TV. But, um, you know, Carson Beck, it's all, it's been, uh, that's been the question all year. Can this guy come in as a first year starter and take this team that's got two consecutive national championships? and push them forward, or is he going to have an early season loss? Is he not going to be able to do things? You know, he went to Auburn and struggled a little bit, but got the job done, learned from it. Um, they blew out Kentucky. You know, that was supposed to be a a test. Um, but he's doing what he needs to do. He had over 250 yards and a couple of touchdowns against Missouri, and, and that's not easy to do. Missouri is not where they are this year because they're easy. And like you said, maybe Georgia um, didn't think much of them or something. I don't know if that's it or not, or if they're just good. And, um, you know, a nine-point game, but Georgia remains undefeated. Yeah, between the hedges, as you know, as an Auburn fan, Terry, you play in Athens, it's hard to win. Hard to win at a home field advantage. I'd say that's worth three to seven points, honestly, um, right there. But what I did see is what you and I talked about last week. With what Missouri's offense did because I did watch this game uh what Missouri's offense was able to do they threw Georgia some different looks they were able to use some speed as we talked about Mm -hmm. I think honestly what happened though is Missouri didn't have the game time experience obviously the big game experience for this team versus the Georgia team and they didn't have the muscle they didn't. They just didn't have the size to continue to match up with Georgia for four quarters. Georgia is a brutish, I mean, a beefy beating team. They're going to beat you down. Um, they're going to wear you down. And, you know, the thing is with Beck, he's changed a little bit of what Georgia does because even last year um, they still ran the ball and stayed true to running the ball. They throw a lot on first and second down with Beck this weekend. And... The one thing you know that Kirby said in his interview about uh, Missouri is Durkowitz has a very well-coached, disciplined team on both sides of the ball. They played really good on defense. They they really did. Um, like you said, this is the two-time national champions at home. They're at home, and Missouri took it to them, you know. Uh, but again, they used a little confusion, a little speed, that sort of stuff. 
Um, but to your point, when Beck needed to make the plays, he made the plays. That was really good if you're a Georgia fan. If you want to see Georgia play at a higher level, you know, SEC title, semifinal, finals, um, Beck's got to step up because there's some stiff competition that we're going to get to um, when we talk about the Big Ten especially. But um, Beck has to step up, and it's not going to get any easier. Right. I don't know if you want to if we want to continue our discussion or you want to preview it now. But say now whatever you Beck need to gonna, say, man. Beck is going to have to go toe for toe with Lane Kiffin in his offense. Yeah, coming up next. Um, you know, you and I talked a little bit about that game off air. I'm very intrigued, and this will be the second time of the season that I'm putting Georgia on upset alert. I'm not saying that Ole Miss is going to beat them, right? But if for any reason Ole Miss has a chance, this is the team with Dart and company, led by Lane Kiffin, the head coach, who's going to make all the calls. This is the team that's going to get it done against well, against Georgia. Yeah, speaking of Dart, and we transition to that, he had 387 yards and a couple of touchdowns this week. Um, A&M um, kept fighting. Um, Ole Miss yep. ends up winning by three here. Um you know, a and M's kind of one of those teams. They don't have a lot of wins in, in the conference, but they play with everybody. You know, they're not getting stomped by anybody. But um, Ole Miss just lights it up again, as they do. You know, we've mm-hmm. got um, – we haven't had this number of really good offenses in the league in a long time. You know, the SEC's always kind of been the league of defense and running the ball. There's some teams that are lighting it up. You know, Ole Miss is doing it. Um, Alabama has the potential to do it. You know, they're not 100% all the time doing it. Um, obviously, LSU, Missouri's got some offensive prowess. I mean, it's um, it's good to see. It's good to see that. Yeah, a lot of offense. One thing I missed, by the way, mm-hmm. on the Alabama conversation, and I specifically wrote this note. Um, because we talked about it last week, 11 for 14 on third down. So you're talking about offenses. These defenses have got to get their, get their, you know, the other team off the field. You have got to get a break. But Alabama went 11 for 14 versus 4 for 18, I believe it was, with LSU. Um, that's a big gap, huge difference in gameplay. LSU or not LSU, excuse me, back it up. Old Miss was up big against A&M. I think, it was all, I think it was three scores at one point that they were up over Jimbo's team. A&M claws back. They do what they do. All of a sudden, Old Miss can't convert a third down, can't get that next you know, step. But I think against Georgia, they're going to be kicking on all cylinders. I don't think that... I don't think Lane Kiffin's going to leave anything to chance. He knows that he can't wait for an SEC championship game to bring out the entire playbook. So I think you're going to see every damn thing that he possibly has in the arsenal. And quite frankly, against Kirby Smart and that Georgia defense, that Georgia offense, he's going to need it. They're going to need everything they can in Ole Miss. But um, I really believe this is the best team he's had as the head coach. And he's had some really good teams. Um, I put Alabama on ups- upset alert with Ole Miss, thinking 
that Alabama was in such a vulnerable spot, you know, that that Ole Miss could go into Tuscaloosa and beat them. Um, so I really think that um, I really think, and let's see, you have them at Georgia again. So that's the one advantage Georgia is definitely going to have. If I remember correctly, yeah. they opened up as about a ten point favorite this week against uh, against Ole Miss. But I'm very excited to see that game just mm-hmm. because you've got Saban former Saban coordinators, both guys with a lot of head coaching experience, because people forget that Lane Kiffin was the head coach at USC. He was the head coach at your favorite Tennessee team, not Vandy. And the Raiders. And, <laughs> the Raiders. Did I step the Raiders. on you there? Is that what happened? You were about to make it a big deal, and I said, the Raiders. <laughs> the Raiders. You stepped on me a little bit because I made fun of it. You made fun of Knoxville earlier in the day. I did. But the fans did. don't know about that. But <laughs> bottom line is, Kiffin's got a lot of experience, as does Kirby at this point, because what, Kirby's year six or seven, eight maybe? Yeah, I can't keep as up the, Tom flies. I mean, he's he's been at Georgia a lot longer than people think he's been at Georgia. Yeah. So um, bottom line is you got two really great coaches, really good coaching staffs, very good football teams at what they do. The question's going to be what team can, can impose their will versus the other. And – um, I see Georgia's defense as a little bit vulnerable, but what we know about Kirby Smart is he's going to have a game plan because he's going to have to be, they're going to have to get to dart. They're going to have to shut him down, but they also have to account for him on his feet. So they've got to be very careful trying to deal with dart because then if you spy him, you're also going to open up a running game because the running backs at yep. Old Miss can also play. So got to be real careful. Again, another game I'm really excited to see. Um, I personally think Georgia has the edge, but I think Ole Miss, like I say, I'll put them on upset alert because I think Ole Miss beats the spread, and this one's closer than 10. All right, well, let's go into it then. That's going to be our first game to pick. We'll make it our first game to pick. How about that? Since we're already talking about it, I'm going first on this one. I did not look at the spread here, but I did pick 10 points. I've got Georgia 48-38 in this one. I think we're going to see some points scored, and I think Georgia's going to light it up. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're a little high points-wise, but I think you're going to see some of that. The one thing is Ole Miss's defense is better than given credit for. We know what to expect from Georgia. You're going to see some second-half adjustments, stunts, pass rushes, six men in the box. Georgia takes over in the second half. I've got it 37 to 30. Go dogs. All righty. Well, let's go into the other game that we're going to pick. I'll get to Auburn in a minute and, and what they did this weekend, but let's go ahead and get these picks out of the way in the SEC. We've got two SEC games this week. Tennessee plays at Missouri. Uh, we talked about Missouri uh, being very respectable, uh, giving Georgia a game. Um, you know, they keep they keep winning football games. And, but now they got Tennessee coming in. And let me tell you, I have learned some lessons about picking against Alabama this year. And I have learned some lessons about picking against Tennessee this year. However, this Missouri football team is good and they've got it at home. I've got it 38-34. Mizzou, I'm picking the points this week because – I think it's going to be an offensive weekend in the SEC. Let's see it. I want to see some good football. 38-34, Mizzou. Big win, big pick. I agree with you, Terry. I think Missouri's got a disciplined defense. I think that uh, 
I think Josh Heifel's an excellent coach. I don't think he's got his guys this year. I, I I think the personnel changes. He took a lot, a lot left his football team from last year to this year. Yep. And I think that affects it. Obviously, like you said, Mizzou's coming off of a, a bad beat from Georgia. I say it's a bad beat. Nine points to the two-time defending national title or champions, excuse me, title holders, champions in their house is not anything to cry about. But I think you're going to see a motivated Missouri. And like you, I see points in this one. Um, because neither team, I mean, Missouri's going to play disciplined defense, but I'm going to give this one to Missouri 31, Tennessee 24. All right. There we go. Agreeing with each other again. All right. Oh, it'll, it'll get ugly before the season. <laughs> go ahead with Auburn. Here, I, I'll say fucking Bandy before you get started. I know. I know. And... Let, here, here's though. Obviously, Auburn gets a win. Uh, they are now at five and four. A couple of conference wins the last couple of weeks, maybe against the two worst teams in the conference. Let's go ahead and get that out. But let me tell you what they've done. Up until a couple of weeks ago, you know, we had talked about Hugh Freeze seems to want one of the quarterbacks to step up. He kept platooning them in and out. Um, didn't make a lot of sense. He would bring the passing guy in there and hand off. He'd bring the running guy in there and throw it deep. It didn't make a lot of sense. We're like, what the heck's he doing? First year coach, you don't want to start railing on him already. We know that he's he's done great things at other places. Let's have a little faith in Hugh Freeze. But here's what's happened the last couple of weeks. Um, they've come in, uh, they've shifted around, put some different guys at receiver. There's been a lot of issues with receivers running wrong routes, a lot of drops, um, just not getting open. And um, Peyton Thorne has been looking at that and, and dropping the ball off to somebody. So what the fans see is they're calling all these short pass plays. No, they're not calling short pass plays. Nobody is open. You have that guy there for the safety. You throw it to him. You get four yards. And and the fans just don't know enough to, to think any different of that. So what he's done, uh, they shifted people around on the offensive line, at receiver. Um, and Thorne has started, you know, he's got – he's playing worse teams, you know. Try to get out against the worst teams, get a little bit better as you go, but it's worked out. Um, but they've also run the ball heavy. And they just decided we're going to hand the ball to Jarquez Hunter and we're, we're going to let him go. I don't have the total from last week against Mississippi State, but it was at least 140 yards. This week he had 183 yards. Auburn was a big play offense at Vanderbilt this weekend. It was like a home game. Um, I don't know what the attendance was, probably 40,000 at most because of the way that stadium is right now. But it was very orange. They went up there. They ran the ball. They played good defense. Um, you know, one really bad pass out of the end zone, picked off at the five-yard line and taken in for a touchdown. Otherwise, you know, the defense locked down Vanderbilt pretty much the whole game. So big win, even if it's Vandy. We took the all-time record lead against them in, in, in this huge rivalry that Auburn has with them. And, you know, we're going to play Arkansas this week, and we're going to see what happens there. Possible four-game winning streak heading into the Iron Bowl. Be happy about it. Move forward. Get a bowl and go with it. That's my Auburn take for the week. And 
so we can move on. They're supposed to improve against the worst teams in the league. That's when you want to try new things out. I agree with the approach. think you got a good coach. Uh, you talk about a game we could have picked, Arkansas versus Auburn. Pull that quarter out of your pocket, Terry, and flip it. Because you don't know which Arkansas team's going to show up. Because uh, um, didn't they win this past week? I think so. Uh, yeah, I think uh, and Arkansas maybe, – and- yeah, it's at Arkansas, and Arkansas is favored by three right now. Yeah, it's just a 500 football team, but at the end of the day, yeah. Sam Pittman's got them playing when they need to play. Um, you know, it's it's hard to win at home. It's hard to win on the road. You know, and I'm going to get there when I talk about Nebraska. But um, I think I think that you guys are moving in the right direction. You is Auburn. You in this case, pronouns pal. <laughs> but Auburn is moving in the right direction. I think that. Um, He's got to play with what he has. So if moving guys to receiver, if running the ball, if, you know, whatever it is, he had to figure out what he had. And you like that to be spring training or, you know, the spring game when you when you decide what you have and you don't have. But, um, you know, Peyton Thorne again, like you say, Michigan State transfer, mm-hmm. bad throw, it happens. Um, good on Auburn getting that win, five and four. That's a big deal. You got three chances, and I lied. You got two chances because ain't no way in hell, even at home, you taking down the Crimson Tide. But uh, it's happened you before. Know, but I and we'll count we'll on talk about time. that in two weeks. <laughs> nah, nah, not this time, Terry. Um, we it, it only happens when you don't expect it. So you know, just just go to bed and pray about it, and then maybe you'll wake up to a Christmas present that day. Who knows? Well, and they're not nearly as even as they have been in the past. That's the bigger problem. Um, you know, the puncher's chance, uh, you got to have a guy that can throw the punch. And I don't know that Auburn has it against Alabama. Now, on to Arkansas. Arkansas is one of those teams in the in the SEC that's kind of hard to gauge, at least for me, because I joke about it, but what you, they're in that Florida category. What Arkansas team? Yeah. I think they beat Florida this past week. That's who they beat. I want to say they beat <laughs> Florida. So, so it's like, uh, who do you want to see play? And I don't think you had a result here, did you? Nah, Not we have that down the Neither way, one of them okay. was in the standings. I can look it up real quick. Keep going. I was going to say, process, it, do, so. it doesn't matter. But my thought process here is that Arkansas is dangerous for you guys. Number one, it's on the road, and that does matter. But the larger issue is which Arkansas team's going to show up. Um, because this is also the Arkansas team, as you have not stopped pointing out to me as the Alabama fan in the room, that Alabama let get back into the game, and Alabama only wins by three points. You know, After being in firm command of the game, and here comes that gritty Arkansas team. So what Arkansas team do you see? Do you see the physical Gritty, we're not giving up. Um, and I think this is what will help help Auburn. You guys got to jump on them and don't take your foot off the gas pedal. Mm-hmm. I mean, Auburn's offense has got to just keep coming and coming and coming. And like you said, lockdown defense on your end, the, be- the strongest point of your defense is your corners and your, quarter- your cornerbacks yes. and your safeties. You're going to need help from the linebackers and the defensive end to get a little bit of a pass rush. Make him uncomfortable, get him off his spot, and I think those are the keys for Auburn to win the football game. I could be reading it wrong, but that's what I think. So let me run through the Week 11 games. Um, you know, the standings right now, you know, I could add other teams in here, but 
reality hits. You know, Georgia, 6-0 and in the conference. Um, you know, but not clinched be, the title game yet. Not they clinched have not clinched yet. it, but I mean, not clinched yet. they basically clinched it this past weekend. You know, um, so there's that uh, in the West. You know, we talked about Ole Miss outside chance. Alabama's got the tiebreaker over Ole Miss. So it's really, unless something big happens, uh, some big upset, we've got Georgia and Alabama in Atlanta. And I'm not, you know, I'm penciling it in. I just don't want to talk about the, the very small scenarios that could happen. But let's run down the Week 11 slate. We've talked about a lot of it. Um, by the way, it was Florida-Arkansas, went into overtime. Arkansas wins by three, 39-36. We talked about Tennessee and Missouri and picked that. We talked about Ole Miss at Georgia. We talked about Alabama heading to Kentucky. Um, Auburn at Arkansas. And the other game we haven't mentioned is Florida at LSU. You know, unless that Florida team that played Tennessee shows up, LSU should win this by three touchdowns. I th- I agree with you, especially if Daniels is back on the back on the able to play. Um, I, that offense is so good, and Florida is so bad. Like, and when I mean bad, they're inconsistent. We use that word on this show a lot because we try to be accurate with the way we describe people. We know these are eighteen and twenty. Well, in some cases, twenty-seven-year-old kids. Um, no offense to our favorite Notre Dame quarterback, but you know these our guys Oregon are you know. Yeah. The Oregon quarterback. I did. I didn't say it. You did. Um, <laughs> but no, some of these guys are a little older. But the point is, they're kids. There's. If I'm 20 years older than you, you're a kid. So, because I'm not that old, but you obviously are a kid. Um, we try to be respectful with the way we talk about them. When I say Florida's inconsistent, you don't know which Florida team's going to show up. Now we do know this: LSU doesn't play defense. So this one could be another one of those where you better check the light bulbs. But as long as Daniels is playing, LSU wins. And I agree with you, Terry. Three touch. Is it in the swamp or is it in, is it at Tiger Stadium? Is it in the death It's Valley? at LSU. Yeah. So even the, and it's a night game. Shit. Go ahead and pencil it for 21. <laughs> I mean, because they don't be the game it. that Florida shows up and ends up winning by three or something. You know, yeah, there's nothing be. pointing to that happening. You know, the only other thing would be, and you mentioned it, um, we don't really have a status on concussion protocol on Daniels and what kind of impact that might have. Huge impact because they don't have anything else. Without him being the captain of that offense, they don't have anything else. That's no offense to Nuss- Nussmeyer, but he was very confused didn't really have a good game plan when they put him in, you know, and you're coming off the bench. You're, this is your all-star and all of a sudden here you come, you know, and you're trying to just keep things going and all that, knowing that this is a huge game, that pressure won't be on him, but Florida LSU is not that much different than Alabama and LSU, quite frankly. So um, Mm -hmm. they've got a week to work with Nussmeyer if they have to, but he's no Jaden Daniel. I mean, I I'm sorry. He just, he's not there. That, and we saw that at the SEC title game last year, too. He just wasn't the guy um, that that they needed him to be that particular year. But anyway, I think if Daniels plays, LSU rolls, and it's going to be big, big, big for them. All right. Let's wrap up the SEC with that thought process and head up to the Big Ten. 
uh, where yeah. Ohio State um, started a little slow against Rutgers, but poured it on in the second half for a 35-16 victory, um, led by their running back, and I'm not going to try the name, but 159 yards rushing for the Ohio State running back there to lead the way. 35-16 Ohio State, and there are, um, you know, I have not seen, I don't know what day the playoff poll comes out. Obviously, they led it last week after we recorded that came out, and they're sitting top there. I would expect them to still be there as far as that's concerned with this win against Rutgers this week, even though they did start slow. Yeah, playoff poll comes out on Tuesdays, 8 o'clock Eastern, mm-hmm. standard time now, sir. Um, yes. since day- daylight savings is over and I've, you know, been robbed of my <laughs> schedule. Um, I understand. That's an inside joke to all of our fans. I'm always going to call it Eastern Standard Time, and I don't give a damn if it's daylight savings time or not because it annoys Terry that I'm inaccurate, and he says it makes me sound like an idiot, and I've said I've sounded like an idiot over far less than daylight savings time. So now you're I all in on the joke with you us. All 31 of you. to sound like an idiot. No, I didn't say idiot. That's not the word I use. But anyway, carry on. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> carry on. Nobody wants to hear it. Rutgers. Rutgers has three opportunities to score. They end up with nine points. So, you know, that defense of Ohio State still getting it done. I think the defense of Ohio State, along with their um, experience in high-level games, is ultimately going to come pay dividends. Uh, I see this team as a team that um, could – could honestly be in the Big Ten title game. We're going to get into Michigan here in a little bit, uh, particularly all the nonsense they have going on off the field. But Ohio State, I know people expect me to get on here and say, fuck Ohio State, which, you know, I agree with. Go ahead. But Ohio State has proved that without the offense we're used to seeing, they can still win ball games. That offense doesn't have the fire, the pizzazz, the crispness that it has in recent years. And they are still winning game after game after game. And they're looking like Ohio State. The problem is, for anybody that has to play them, that team gets on a roll, and they're going to be a very hard out for anybody. So that's where I'm at on that. All right, so why don't we – I got them listed in a certain order. I want to save Michigan a little while so we can dig into the Michigan um, sign still. Off-the-field extracurriculars. Yeah, some of that. (laughs) Oh, man, don't say it that way because we're about to talk about Penn State. So Penn State with a win 51-15 to against Maryland this week. And, um, you know, I guess they heard – I don't know if coaches let them hear it in practice this week. Last week they looked a little sluggish. They didn't look like the Penn State we had seen all all year, but this week they did, and they just put it on Maryland 51-15. to As a reminder, the last name of the quarterback for the Maryland Terrapins is Tagovailoa. The boy can play quarterback. He couldn't Saturday. Penn State's defense has did what they do and then they just turned it up in the fourth quarter. It was ridiculous. Um, so great win for Penn State. They needed the bounce back because they have a 12 o'clock game and Happy Valley, Western PA, Beaver Stadium, 108,000 
against Michigan this weekend. So they needed everything that they had that night. Obviously, their quarterback looks great. He's not a great quarterback. Do not be fooled by the numbers. Um, he is not an elite quarterback. And that right. uh, my buddy Will, big Penn State fan, obviously probably hurt his feelings because I said that, but he's not an elite quarterback. He's not one of the best quarterbacks in the league. We're going to get to them when we get to the Pac-12. But the um, the Penn State-Michigan game, intrigues me but i'm gonna i'm gonna say this for both football teams it is absolute bullshit that they're not on at seven or eight o'clock at night and that they're on at 12 this should be a night game this should be prime time and the oklahoma game whoever they play i forget we'll get there is on the seven o'clock time slot on fox instead of Penn State and Michigan. They're going to play at noon. Maybe they don't want another whiteout where Penn State wears, you know, 108,000 people in all white. I don't know. But uh, the visual's cool. But yeah, I I mean, I think that's garbage that the game of the week yeah. is going to be at 12 o'clock. And there's no excuse and they did for the it because there's three games in the Big Ten that we knew were going to matter more than any other games this season. And it was predictable. These weeks should have been those main event games, prime time. And if you remember, Michigan and Ohio or Penn State and Ohio State was uh, twelve o'clock as well. Mm. So, or twelve fifteen, whatever the kickoff time. I I don't know, but for me, you want the eyes on it. It's the biggest game of the week. I want to see it in prime time, under the lights, uninterrupted. Me and my television. You know, I want to see it. Now I've got to, you know, step in on it at work, and you know that this game has potential to be one people talk about for a very long time because you know, you know the players. You know, you got the SEC game is going to be three thirty Eastern, and um, to follow that up with the Big Ten game, that's a good combination there. But like you said, the noon slot, you've got too many opportunities for people that want to watch football to be doing something else at Saturday at noon, you know, you're out yeah. shopping. Um, you know, I go to soccer a lot. Soccer season's over now, so I won't have to do that. But you know, those are the things that get in the way of that. So you got the two thirty, and you got the prime time. I don't know why they'd move away from that for the big games. No, I, 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 I think the boys deserve it. I think they all deserve that big spot. So um, regardless of all of the controversy surrounding Michigan, I think, you know, those the players have played. You know, the players have played. They deserve the opportunity to be featured on the biggest stage of them all. And to me, that's the primetime game. But uh, we're going to get a game. Three and a half is the spread on that one. Um, I think that that Penn State has that puncher's chance, but they better find some offense that they didn't have against Ohio State. Otherwise, Michigan takes three and half, makes it 14. Um, Let's go ahead and go through the Michigan game, and we'll, we'll, uh, we're going to pick that game. So let's talk about the Michigan, Michigan game, then we'll pick Penn State-Michigan here. Michigan wins 41-13 at home against Purdue. Uh, McCarthy... Throws for 335 yards. 
Michigan is Michigan. You know, they their defense played a horrible game and gave up 13 points. That's yeah. That's kind of the story there. Where they haven't given up that many points this year. No, they've given them up twice, I think. But uh, to your point, Terry, Michigan's defense. I mean, it's a great defense. McCarthy's got to be a Heisman Trophy talking about uh, the Davy Camp Award. He's a great quarterback, executes well, stats off the chart. They win by 35-plus, it seems, or 30-plus. I guess this one wasn't there, but uh, they're winning big in every single outing. And then you get the argument, well, who have they Who have they played? Who have they played? Does it uh, matter? Whoever's name is on that helmet, they're beating them by four to five scores. We'll really find out this week, and that's what it's exerting exciting Exerting themselves. About it. We've been waiting on it, so – let me go first and I'll pick. I guess I'm going, I'm volunteering to go first here um, every time, but I've got Michigan winning this ball game 31 24. Yep. And um, upset alert Penn State takes the win in Happy Valley 27 23. Gets it done with the defense. Something they're gonna they're gonna get um, Michigan off their spot some way. Twenty seven twenty three. Give it to Penn State. All right. Good. We disagreed on something, and this is this is the thing that is necessary to get that three way tie at the end of the year. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, I don't know how they break that three-way tie. We'll, we would, if that happens, we'll get to find out. But um, all they're right. going to use your computer poll. Well, Michigan's running away with that, so <laughs> <laughs> but probably run away with the BCS too. You yeah. know. <laughs> all right. So the other game I had listed here, obviously, was Nebraska seventeen, Michigan State twenty. What are your – you got any remaining thoughts about this, sir? I know you've spoken a little bit about it earlier in the in the, in the the show here. Yeah, five, five plays, questionable calls. Referees decide Nebraska should have won this game by 21 points. People think I'm crazy when I say stuff like that, but their failure to execute was embarrassing. This team was not ready for this game. They weren't ready to win the sixth game. Uh, they weren't ready to be bowl eligible. And they aren't ready to run into Maryland. Although, let's talk about it. The Big Ten West, nobody wants to win because Minnesota went down too. <laughs> and, uh, so did Wisconsin. So uh, well, I was sitting there with a little bit of a lead. A little bit of a lead. But they have to play Nebraska. And I believe they've got to play not Wisconsin, but they've got to play somebody. Oh, I think they've got to play one of the big boys, either Ohio State or Michigan or uh, or Penn State. No, they played Penn State already. I think they've got to play one of the big boys before it's said and done. So okay. we have a chance, but here's the deal. I'm not going to dwell on the Michigan State loss because they deserve the loss. They earned that loss, okay? We need to focus on Maryland. It's at home. Nebraska is 4-1 and one at home, the sole loss being to Michigan. And it could have been the school for the blind playing them with Michigan's talent. They would have lost. So um, Michigan is that good, which is why when we talk about the sign shit, it's ridiculous. Um, but anyway, 
Nebraska's got a chance. They're gonna they're gonna pressure Tagovailoa. He's gonna think like he's playing Penn State again because this is just defense after defense that he's having to play. Here's the question mark: Can Nebraska get enough offensive output to win the football game? So this is the optimist in me. You told me Terry this morning I got to be more optimistic. It's not that I don't pay attention <laughs> to what you say. I heard you loud and clear. Here's the optimist in me. Nebraska's got three chances to be eight and four. They got to win three games. They can be eight and four. They got yeah. three chances to be bowl eligible. They got three teams they can beat. Now, I put Michigan State on my calendar as a loss. Nebraska was winning that game. Didn't happen. I put Minnesota as a loss. Nebraska couldn't beat them. Couldn't finish the job. But both of those were away. Both of those were three-point games. Both of them may or may not have had questionable calls. And I'm going to get to Matt Rule in a second. But you got to shake that off, like Taylor Swift says, and you got to move on because Maryland has a very capable offense. You got to be focused. You got to be ready. And you got to play football. And you're doing it at home. Lincoln, Tom Osborne Field, 90,000 people are going to be cheering, regardless if there's 20 inches of snow on the ground or not. Nebraska fans don't have anything better to do. They do not care. Um, as for, and, and this is going to piggyback into what we're going to talk about with Michigan, as for my coach, um, Rule has now decided to go on the offensive. He has said that the calls were bad in Minnesota and they were cut bad at Michigan State. And he has also said that Nebraska got beat thanks to some scouting as badly as they did. Rule, you can say that the calls were bad and that the Big Ten officiating has been bad all year. They owe the players to be better. I'll give you that. The, the officiating has not been great, but I don't blame officials for losing football games. So they need to be better, I agree. As for this deal with Michigan and the Spygate and the whatever, Nebraska never had a prayer against Michigan. You would have needed the 95 Huskers to come back sure. to beat Michigan. Nebraska was never in the game, the spying, the talent, blah, blah, blah. Say whatever you want. That isn't the reason that you lost the game. So um, I'm out on all the bullshit. Let's play football. That's where I'm at. So now they got to go do it. And they've got to do it in front of the home crowd. And then they got Wisconsin at Camp Randall. And they get Iowa. So they've got three very winnable games. Three chances to be bowl eligible. And I cannot emphasize to our listeners how hard it is to be a Nebraska fan when it's been seven years since they played in a bowl game. This is a team that the bowl game was a shoe-in. a long time, yeah. This is, a, this is you know, that was the one deficit on Osborne's, on, on Osborne's stat sheet. 25 seasons, 12 and 13 in bowl games. But... Eight of those bowl games were for national championships. So yeah. I guess, I mean, you know, it, there are worse things in life, you know, than to lose a national championship game. But um, bottom line is Nebraska hasn't been that great for a long time. I'm willing to take the Pelini years. Pelini averaged nine wins a season. I'm good with that because I understand you don't break a blue blood in a year and you certainly don't rebuild one in a year. Because Nebraska was a blue blood. Make no mistake about it, for all my Michigan friends and my Ohio State friends and everybody else, Nebraska was as good, if not better, than you in every manageable and measurable way. So 
you can't say, well, we did this or we did that. So did they. Um, but we've seen that with Oklahoma. You see it with Nebraska. Florida has taken a big drop off up until Norvell's finally got it figured out with Florida State. We're going to get there. So you're seeing some of these teams having to do rebuilds and such. It's a slow process. Matt Rule thinks he's ahead of his schedule, which is great. Um, you've got to recruit defense to Nebraska in order for us to draw offensive talent because defense is going to win those games in the Big Ten for a while because we're not going to draw the talent that Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, let's face it, Oregon and Washington bring to the Big Ten next year along with USC and UCLA. A lot of competition. So they're going to need to be focused on defense, special teams. We're going to win games ugly, and that's okay because I'd rather win games ugly than lose games by a field goal. You know, he lost 25 games by seven points or less in the last five seasons. That's a lot of games determined by one score. So I'm, like I said, I'm over to bullshit. Shut up, snap it on, let's play football. And that's where I'm at with Nebraska. Nothing to good to talk about on their offensive side of the ball. Uh, from the game point, the defense played a little soft on the passing, I thought. I hope they can get more man-to-man. The three-three-five is a very solid defensive scheme. Uh, Tony White's doing a great job. I don't agree with our offensive coordinator's play selection. I think you're going to run the ball, run the ball. Why are we throwing the ball three times in less than a minute and a half of uh, of total possession? You know, that's crazy. So that's where I'm at. Beat Maryland. You're at home. Last opportunity to win a home game. Go beat Maryland. Okay, let me run down the standings a little bit. I think in the East, we know the situation. Michigan and Ohio State are both undefeated in the league. Penn State has the one loss. Um opportunity this week to give uh, Michigan a loss, uh, then, you know, hope that Michigan gives Ohio State the loss and you can get that tie going. In the West, as we kind of alluded to, Iowa sitting there with a one-game lead over Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. A lot of football to be played. A lot of similar teams there. Um, The other three teams don't have spectacular offenses, but they're probably – way better than Iowa, right, from the offensive side of the ball. We've we've been joking around a lot on social media. I'll find anything to put in perspective the, the, um, the low scores for Iowa football games. And today there was a good one. Somebody posted the, the top seven um, highest score uh, games in Wrigley Field this year, and Iowa was number seven on that. Six baseball games defeated them. Yeah, I mean, 17 points again. They they beat the under by 10. They beat, the, I mean, the over-under was 27. It's 17. Uh, they played Northwestern, I get it. But um, Iowa is a terrible offensive football team. They're grinding teams out, which is why they're playing defense. But Wisconsin's not a great offensive team. Michigan, or uh, Minnesota, we know, is not a good offensive team. Nebraska, not a good offensive football team. They're offensive, but they're not a good offensive football team. Um, And so, you know, they're going to have to play clean. Nebraska can't afford to turn the ball over three times like they did this week. Here's a funny thing for you, Terry, because I actually don't know this. Nebraska, no penalties in the game against Michigan State. Not one. Wow. I can't tell you the last time it happened. They turned the ball over three times. 
you can't continue to turn the ball over. So getting into this home stretch with Maryland, Wisconsin, and, and Iowa, and every other team's got to do it too, the West is a bloodbath. It's a war of attrition. Who wants to lose to the Big East champion is basically what's what's happened, or Big Ten East champion, because uh, that's really what's going to happen in Indianapolis. Uh, it's going to be a rout for whoever is in that position. But I think, um, I think obviously Iowa they have the edge just based on the record. But they got to they got to play. I'm I'm certain they got to play one more of those East teams, and they've got to play Nebraska, um, and Nebraska is going to play them tough. So. A uh, lot of lot of fun things there, but ultimately, whoever wins the East is winning the Big Ten championship, and their road to the Big Four is, you know, the Final Four is pretty well set. So, provided it's provided it's a one loss or, well, it could only be a one loss team. Yeah, could only be a one loss team or better. So, looking at this week's schedule, it looks like there might be some decent games. Um... Obviously, we got Michigan at Penn State that we've talked about and picked. Maryland at Nebraska this week. Rutgers at Iowa could be a pretty good game. Minnesota at Purdue. Northwestern at Wisconsin. Michigan State at Ohio State. If that's a good game, then uh, we got to rethink some rankings because that should yeah because because be that should not not be a good game. And it was Rutgers, I guess. Maybe I was thinking of. Um, Shiano will have them ready to play, and they've got enough offense they could beat Iowa. So uh, Rutgers, that one, that one's worth paying attention to, particularly if you're in the Big West, Big Ten West, like I am, and you need Iowa to lose. Right. <laughs> so. so this could be the opportunity to to bring it into maybe a four way tie, depending on who else wins. So why don't we dig into the Michigan thing a little bit since we're in the Big Ten? Um, you want to start us off on this, some thought process on this scandal? Sure. So, obviously, Connor Stallions, Stallions for anybody who doesn't know, is a staffer at Michigan, uh, has been linked to purchasing tickets to multiple games. Um, and I'm just doing, I'm just rehashing the facts. None of this is opinion yet. Uh, he's been linked to buying tickets, people uh, in his place. Recording video of uh, signs and signals, they believe. Now, that part is conjecture, although two teams supposedly have proof. I don't know that yet because none of the videos come to light. Um, he quit his job, supposedly. Some other reports say he got fired last week. Um, in fact, I think Bleacher Report or somebody said he got fired, and then the University of Michigan, whatever, they corrected it, whatever it was. But it doesn't matter. He's no longer there. He's gone, and today Michigan's been notified that they um, are being uh, disciplined under the sportsmanship clause. I don't know if you saw that this evening, Terry, before we got on the air. So it looks like they could suspend Harbaugh for two games, fine him $100,000, open the investigation wide open. Here's my opinion, because everything else I mentioned, you can check ESPN or anywhere else, and it's factual. It's systemic cheating harbaugh knew no way he didn't know right no way the assistant coaches or the head coach didn't know what connor stallions was doing no way especially when you start talking about guys on the sidelines with with charts in their hands showing hand signals and what they mean correct and when you see it systemic when i say it's systemic 
He's buying tickets for people to go sit at a game and record these hand yeah. signals. He's not the one at the game. Don't get it twisted, folks. Connor Stallions was not the guy sitting at the video game record or video game at the football game recording it on video. People were doing that in his place, which is why I say this is a systemic thing that was taking place. Harbaugh knew about it. You know it's a broken rule. Now, I've told you, Terry, and I'm just going to tell, tell the anecdote because I love talking about Nebraska football. Zach Weigert was voted the best offensive lineman in the country in the 90s. He won the Outland Trophy. He was the center. He was the anchor of the pipeline offensive line there for Nebraska. That was the reason they won so many games and, you know, beat four top 10 teams in 95 and beat them all by 30 or more, including Florida. But here's what he said. We're going to run the ball right there. Stop us if you can. Well, football has changed. People don't run the option left, right, up the middle. And really, no matter what game film you watched in Nebraska back in the day, you saw the same attack. But they had 300-pound linemen that ran four, five, forties. Go ahead and stop them. Stop them. Go ahead, you know? Um, and that was the name of the game because they would lean on you and beat you up, and that's why Nebraska forever was a fourth-quarter football team. It wasn't they played better in the fourth quarter. It's that the other team was so damn tired they couldn't keep up with them. I will say that a football team should be able to execute a play. Their play should be like we talk, we joke about Philly with the tush push. That's the, that's that's their play, like you know the the jump pass. And you know they're going to do it, and they're going to push you around because they've got they've got a center that can can push that pile, and they've got a quarterback that squats six hundred you know, pounds. That squats <laughs> a freaking bus. Yeah. yeah. And what I was getting at with the like the the Tebow jump pass, that was their play. Yeah, that was Florida's play, and you knew when it was coming. Um, but you couldn't stop it. Okay, but I will concede, acknowledge, respectfully say it. With the motions, the shifts, the alignments, all of that stuff, mm -hmm. the hand signals matter. You've got fifty hand signals going in for an entire series. And you can see I'm talking with my hands, Terry. Our listeners can't, but I talk with my hands all the time. But all of this, how, how are you going to switch all the hand calls and the signals for the next game? You're going to have them all relearn everything from your signs to your signals. Let's say you got both. You got the big-ass signs with all the silliness on it, right. or, you got the, or you got the guy like Lincoln Riley, because he's one you can point to, who's always making the hand signals as to what you're supposed to be doing. The thing that you're not seeing is a lot of times you see that head coach making hand signals. There are two guys on the other side of him making hand signals as well. Yes. You know, so it's... You just don't know which one. Yeah, yeah there, there's some compli complexities to it. But if you get it on video and you get smart enough people that can go ahead and look at this, Jim Harbaugh has a high football IQ. He's not an idiot. If he and his staff are watching these tapes, they know exactly what is happening. So, um, and they know what to look for. So, but my point is... It was blatant. It was systemic. I believe it's wrong because it taints the game of football. And I've got mm -hmm. so many things I already dislike about football and the new rules. This should not be allowed. However, you have a 9-0 Michigan football team. Are they really 9-0 because they're that good? Or are they 9-0 because they've been cheating the whole time? I think it's a combination of both. It's got to be. Now, you know... They're beating, they're beating the teams from the other division because they're Michigan. 
You know, Correct. the difference is they couldn't beat Ohio State, and all of a sudden they beat Ohio State. Right. That kind of thing. That's what's coming into question. And I'm all for, you know, playing baseball and, like, if, if you can see that sign and tell your guy or whatever, this is the Houston Astros of college football. This is not in-game um stealing of signs this is you know i've used the word espionage this is sending somebody across inside the enemy camp so to speak and and learning things so it's a little different but here's what i think is probably going to happen coaches have voted down using the um like the communication mechanisms inside the helmet and that kind of thing multiple times I don't think they're going to vote it down anymore based on this occurring. And I think that's going to take away the possibility that we see this kind of thing in the future. But then the question is, what do you do to Michigan? I don't think it's going to be too terrible of a punishment. I think they're going to make their point that this shouldn't have happened. I think it's going to lead to some change. And I think Harbaugh goes somewhere else. And uh, whether it's his choice or he's ousted, I think he's got opportunities in a lot of places. Um, you know, the Purdue coach this weekend didn't shake his hand at the end. Of the day. They uh, These coaches are not happy about this. Now, some of it is jealousy. You know, you can't ignore that. Michigan is sitting there dominating. So some of these teams are going to be jealous. Um, you know, most of the time, uh, a lot of these coaches, when asked about it in press conferences, their official statements are going to be, well, we just have to get better so that that doesn't matter. But at the same time, we know it does matter to some degree. Mm-hmm. So if there's an opportunity to do something to, to make this, uh, to punish those that are doing it and to change the rules, I think that's what's going to happen. This is going to be the one thing that really pushes it that direction. Well, the bad thing is, is the controversy in this in this season You've got a great season going. You've got a Heisman Trophy in J.J. McCarthy, Heisman Trophy candidate. He's got. He's going to be up for the Davy Award. There's going to be a black cloud hanging over anything that they accomplish from here on out, um, including beating Penn State. And you don't think that James Franklin and his staff have been working on different signals for the game? I promise you, they have. I pro Franklin ain't saying jack shit about it, but he don't have to. The other thing is his his defense is going to be geared up and ready to play in front of those those fans, hundred eight thousand at Beaver Stadium, but. The the thing about the Michigan deal for me is is one of the other reasons I call it systemic. You have kids. I don't, but I like the sporting events. We both like the wrestling. Uh, the SEC championship tickets were expensive for a reason. The Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars were spent for this to happen. And the reason it's happening, you know, you spent money and you need to make money. So we've learned with the NILs, we've learned with branding. The Big Ten is going to have 18 teams in it next year. They're not changing it to the Big 18. It's going to be the Big Ten. And there's a reason for that. It's a brand. It's an established brand right now. So there is a lot of fancy logo. You want to keep that fancy logo. Yep, and there's a lot of money tied to these things. But 
the reason, again, I say it's systemic is you've got financial support from the University of Michigan. The University of Michigan, whether they knew it or not, was paying for what he was doing. The athletic department paid for what he was doing, whether they knew it or not. If they knew, it makes it worse. And it gives you grounds to fire Harbaugh, in my opinion. Um, I don't know that they want to fire Harbaugh, though, because he's had more success there, at least in the last couple years. Then, I mean, Rich Rod had a good, had an 11 win season, but you got to go back to Lloyd Carr actually competing for national championships at the University of Michigan. So you got to go back to Lloyd Carr regularly beating Ohio State. You know, those, those things, they don't happen and they're certainly not um, independent of each other. So I think Harbaugh obviously knew about it, may have been in on it. It wasn't just, um, sanctioned, you know, I, I mean, I think he participated in it. Um, they obviously knew what games they wanted to scout and watch and what they wanted to see and whatever. Uh, this is going to come back to bite Michigan. It could eliminate them from the playoffs. If the NCAA wanted to be that hard about it, I don't know that they will. I think, I think that, I think that Harbaugh takes the bullet for the team, but, um, or argues, you know, because they said they're going to do everything legally to keep the suspension from happening over that uh, uh, sportsmanship clause, saying legally they're going to drag it out and do everything they possibly can. But, you know, those things can get ugly real fast, too. So anyway, um, I know we're on the clock today, but we wanted to talk about Michigan because Michigan, you know, this is a big deal. This is a I don't want anybody to, to misunderstand how big a deal this is when when like i said you obviously have institutional support financially and uh resources like people you know doing these sort of things so they got a lot of support there michigan's it's a problem for michigan and uh the worst part is i've called michigan the best team in football um and they may they very well may be they might be yeah but they could be the ohio state that went undefeated and weren't allowed to participate in the championship. If if it goes, hey, don't but say it would, those I, words. I, we got one of those too. Well, if you remember, I would say if you remember Urban Meyer's first year, Ohio State runs the table, but they were not allowed. They had a they had a bowl game ban. Were not allowed to participate national championship. They win the next year. They win the, the title the next year. But. Yeah, uh, you thought I was talking about 2004. Auburn's also got a 1993 undefeated team that that was not even on TV. That but wouldn't anyway. have wouldn't have beat Florida State or Nebraska that year either, sir. Sorry. Maybe, but they're still undefeated. Anyway, so <laughs> so we can <laughs> we can move along. So before I get into the Big 12 discussion, I, I think back to you know previous realignment when one of my favorite you said earlier that um, it will be called the big 10 no matter how many teams and that reminded me of one of the greatest moments in realignment history when there was a 12 team conference in the midwest called the big 10 and there was a 10 team conference around texas called the big 12 that was so fantastic i loved it anyway let's go to the big 12 and guess what? Guess what? He's a man. He's 56. And he beat Oklahoma's ass. M mullet and all, baby. Mullet and all. 
So Ollie Gordon, uh, maybe the best running back in the nation, 137 yards and two touchdowns against Oklahoma. Gabriel threw for 344, but it wasn't enough. Oklahoma State walks away 27-24 with this one. And looked like they were in control the entire time. I don't know how much of you caught this, Terry, but uh, Venables has been in Bedlam. So, I mean, he's been the assistant coach there since 2004, I think it was, his D.C. Oh, wow. That he, you know, yeah. so he's been there a long time. He knows what Bedlam looks like. Mike Gundy, on the other hand, celebrating 33 consecutive years as an Oklahoma State Cowboy, as either a player or assistant coach and now head coach. He's second or third longest tenured head coach in the country. Um, so He's got to be way up there, yeah. Yeah, so he's, I mean, he he knew what he was getting into. Um, he stayed calm. He stayed relaxed. They they did some things that that messed with Oklahoma's defense a little bit. And like you said, Oklahoma's quarterback has a 344 day one interception and it doesn't get the job done. That's the kind of college football we're seeing these days when you have a quarterback that goes throws for 344 and that's not enough to win right. a game. To win and a He 20- just threw one interception. It yeah. wasn't cuz he threw a bunch of interceptions. No, and it was a 27-24 game, and he threw right. for 344. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't 50-47. to 47. It, It's it's crazy. But uh, it, let, it, it held up, those three points. That's what happens when you play in Stillwater. We made fun of the Cowboys early for losing to teams they had no business losing to. Well, they got whipped by South Alabama, not just beaten by South Alabama. They got embarrassed by South Alabama at the start of the year. They have really bounced back from that. A completely different football team. And quite frankly, they got their eyes on the Big 12 title. And now with the beat over Oklahoma, they're in the driver's seat for that. So, um, uh, I mean, Texas obviously had their issues this weekend, too, we could talk about. But the the game in the Big 12 was definitely bedlam. But Kansas State, Kansas State comes roaring back. From twenty-four to seven, they were down twenty-four to seven in the third quarter, and they come roaring back to lose by a field goal in overtime. And yeah, uh, they won the fourth quarter, sixteen to three. Um, so Kansas State storms back, like you said, and th- that's heartbreaking though to put that much effort in and to come back and tie it up, sending it in overtime, and just go into one overtime and lose and don't score. That is tough. Very uncharacteristic of a Stark team, though, to let their foot off the gas. I mean, they didn't – and you and I talked about it. I said that you got to be careful with Kansas State because they can be dangerous. Just And that's just Mm -hmm. all of my time watching them when they were in the Big 12 and the Big 8, Bill Schneider, the whole deal, you know, ridiculous defenses. Always that team that could be even 500, maybe 7-3 and or whatever – and they were going to be the team to get you. I mean, they were going to be the ones to come get you. And winning in Manhattan, Kansas, is not easy for anybody. For whatever reason, they get up for those games. Texas, though, especially in our rankings, concerns me because we've got some one-loss teams that are really, really good. If if Ewers was the quarterback, Ewers, Ewers, however you say it, if he was still in a quarterback, I might rank Texas higher than Alabama, but today, 
I'm not going to do that right. anymore. I, I you, yeah, you can't do it. You can't do it because the injury the injury says they're no longer that better team. I don't think Alabama loses in a rematch to Texas. That's where yeah, both I, those teams are. I'm glad are. Oklahoma lost. You know, not that I'm against Oklahoma, but I got tired of hearing, "Oh, it's got to go Oklahoma, Texas, Alabama." No, it does not. Don't give me that crap. Just because of the, you know, we've had this head-to-head discussion. Yeah. Like, guess what? You lost to a worse team than they did. Yep. That is why you are ranked below them. You beat them. Great. But you're a better team than the team that beat you. Yes, that is an optional thing. You know, you got beat by a worse team than you. They didn't get beat by a team that was that much worse than they are. They didn't, they didn't have that vulnerability like you showed. You beat them that one time, but you showed that your lowest point is a lot lower than theirs. Anyway, a little bit of a soapbox thing on ranking teams there. You know, I got to get into it sometimes. Terry loves it. So let's go he, into – He loves head-to-head <laughs> and refuses to use it as a factor in the computer poll, which is why the computer poll – has Auburn at number 11. No. Let me tell you, I tried a computer poll years ago that was nothing but head-to-head. You want to talk about a mess. Um, it ended up very close to the Collie Matrix, which is um, there's a professor, I believe, at the University of Alabama Huntsville that had a BCS poll, and um, it was absolutely the worst one, and it was based on head-to-head. But anyway, so let's talk about the standings in the Big 12. There's two teams at five and one. That's Texas and Oklahoma State. And five teams are at four and two. And the reason this matters, as we've talked about before, is um, they pick the top two teams. So Kansas, Oklahoma, Kansas State, West Virginia, and Iowa State are all at four and two, waiting on one of the top two teams to slip up a little bit so that they can push forward and get that. I can't imagine. If they have like a five or six way tie for the number two spot, how that's going to shake out. But I love the chaos. Oh, I'm rooting for the chaos, but they'll have to go not, not joking about strength of schedule and the head to head matchups and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll have to do twenty six tiebreakers to get it all settled, you know, especially if yeah, you who's end up got with the it, tastiest popcorn. Yeah, if you end up with an even number, it makes it even worse for those of you playing along at home. Yeah. Terry and I know this. Because we had to put in a point system where we could vote each other up or down because we kept trying <laughs> too much. So, you know. We, we did, yeah. It's it's not an exact <laughs> science. Here's what I'll say. I'll take care of the schedule this time. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your week 11 schedule in the Big 12. And I hope you're all ready, ready to hit the snooze button. And we Texas, ain't picking a damn one of them. Texas Tech at Kansas. Go Kansas. Oklahoma State, UCF. Cowboys for sure. West Virginia, Oklahoma, Oklahoma bounces back. Texas, TCU, Texas in a rout. Forget about it. Terry or I could play quarterback against TCU this year, and we would be fine. Uh, Baylor versus Kansas State. Who gives a shit? Go Wildcats. Iowa State, BYU. BYU with the upset, and that is your rundown of games you don't need to pay attention to this week. Watch Gus Malzahn have that one game that he has each year and beat Oklahoma State. Be, yeah, That's be all Oklahoma, I'm yeah, mediocre. Or yeah. it'll look like he's about to and he'll completely screw up at the end. Maybe he already had that game. I don't know. Anyway, let's move on to the ACC. Week 10 had um, 
you know, there's a couple of really good teams in the ACC. Very good. Uh, Florida State uh, puts it on Pittsburgh. And Florida State, what, what isn't in the numbers as much, their top two receivers were out. And uh, they still won 24 to 7. Travis threw for 360. Yeah, 360 and only scored 24 points. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Um, Florida State's defense obviously does a great job. Uh, Pittsburgh notoriously is one of those teams that'll beat you. I saw the early score and I was like, are you kidding me? We're 10 to 7 at halftime. And and uh, Florida State obviously, like you said, pulls away with the Terry. Not as close as the score would indicate in the game. By the way, Florida State, first time since 2014, they're headed to the ACC championship in Charlotte. They've already punched their ticket, and it looks like, unless something changes, a red-hot Louisville is the dancing partner December the yeah. 2nd in Charlotte because Louisville has all of a sudden just come on since beating Notre Dame, and, and I mean, they are rolling. They are rolling. What was it this 34 week? to three over yeah. Virginia Tech and and running back Isaac Garendo, 146 yards and three touchdowns. Louisville's good. Louisville is one of those teams you think about basketball, you don't give them the credit for football, but they are a very good team that's not being given that credit this year. And you know, I hope they don't slip up at all because I want to see Florida State and Louisville in this championship game. Yeah, I don't want to see anybody stub their toe. We know Florida State's in. They're guaranteed based on the win-loss record. Clench the spot, if you will. Louisville, I think, needs to win one more game. I think everybody else is out of reach uh, at this point. Um, or maybe they need to win one, and you know somebody else has to lose one, be it Carolina or whoever. Um, but the uh, the Louisville performance against Virginia Tech, because we made fun of Virginia Tech, too talking about no team was good in football, and all of a sudden they just started hammering teams. Yeah, they started being good. And then they ran into Louisville. <laughs> did, you know? Yeah. Um, right, yeah. And, and that's the thing. That's what you miss in all this, that Virginia Tech has been playing well, and then they show up at Louisville, and they score three points. And look at what happened to Duke. Duke was playing very, very well, got goose yes. egg. Goose egg by Louisville. 23-0 last week. So... Um, Louisville's on a roll. Coaches Jeff Fromm was there at Purdue. We all know they were the Big West champion last year. Uh, eight and five football team didn't have enough in the tank to win the Big Ten title. Really well disciplined football team for the most part. Seemed to play really good defense. And quite frankly, to your point about Travis, twenty four points, two receivers out, still put three hundred plus yards passing. You're gonna have to find a way to stop him. You're gonna have to find a way to stop him. Because as long as Florida State doesn't lose, you can't keep them out of the playoff. I don't think. I don't right, think you can keep Florida State out of the playoff. And people keep saying that they're the team to leave out, and they keep pushing Washington up. And you know that I don't agree with that because. And, and we'll get I'm there. I'm dropping Washington. Yeah. <laughs> but so. Yeah, I'll delay a little bit on that. I'm just but. teasing you, Terry. We don't have to follow the format, but I got it in my head. <laughs> But you did say stubbing your toe earlier, and you want to talk about stubbing a toe. Notre Dame found out that Clemson Clemson can show up and play football again once in a while. I and, think Tyler um, from Spartanburg needs to call more often because they were I think fired so. 
Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and Hartman, Hartman, um, you know, beardless Hartman up there, 146 yards and two interceptions, no touchdowns. Um, needs to grow that beard back. That one's for the ladies, but it's also for the football team. Worst performance of his season, obviously. It is. You know, absolutely. Uh, went into Death Valley. You and I, I love the new graphic. Wrong, wrong. That was hilarious <laughs> to me. But I picked, I picked Clemson to just take a country ass whoop at the way Notre Dame's been playing. Then Tyler from Spartanburg calls in on Dabo's show. Dabo loses you may, hold his on, mind. You didn't say it right. It's Tyler. That's how you got <laughs> Well, you got the better Southern accent name. than I did. So Tyler. anyway, Tyler from Spartanburg <laughs> decided to call in and piss Dabo off. For those of us, that, those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Dabo Sweeney has a nightly radio call on Mondays, I think it is, whatever. Tyler from Spartanburg, that's the guy's name, calls in and starts telling Dabo Sweeney he's not worth the $11 million Clemson pays him every year. And Dabo lost his shit. And it was absolutely hilarious listening to him say, well, Tyler, why don't you go ahead and do it? And then saying, oh, and if the college doesn't like me anymore, they can send me on my way and I'll go find somewhere else to coach. And I'm like, holy shit, Dabo. Well, apparently his players received a message loud and clear because the Clemson Tigers showed up Saturday. Not this team we've been watching, figuring out if they're going to be, you know, six, 500 or what. They showed up, they defended the house, and I honestly thought they were going to lose by three touchdowns. Um, Notre Dame looked ordinary in this game. Looked ve- This is the worst game I think Notre Dame's had all year. And uh, they lost to Louisville. They lost to Ohio State. Probably, I mean, they're a very good football team, but mm-hmm. I just did not see this one going this way, Terry. I, I missed this I game. I didn't either. Completely. I know we do our little thing where we, we, you know, uh, Andrew's 29 and 13 and Terry's 28 and 14 or whatever the numbers break down. Something to. like that. And yeah, we roughly pay, two we, thirds for both of us. You got one game. And on. I'm one yeah. game ahead of you. Yeah. 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 So what? Uh, Go on. Keep talking my about point, the game. My point was, I don't think either of us have missed one that bad all year long. That's all I was getting no, at. It was, that yeah, just, we <laughs> both picked. I mean, the, the, we had no reason to not pick Notre Dame because realistically, we're talking about consistency. Notre Dame has been consistent all year. You know, and getting and we talk better, about Louisville. Like, they were, they yeah. were showing that progression that we saw with Virginia Tech, but even at a different level, they were shutting teams down. They were scoring it. With, I mean, Notre Dame looked like a real football team. And then they went into Death Valley and Clemson, and it just uh, – the entire thing got flipped around. Yeah, and this wasn't a couple of coaching decisions. This was um, motivated players getting out there and playing, and they just didn't do it. Yeah, there wasn't one call that either coach made that would have changed that game Saturday. To your point, 53 players or 85 players, how many ever Clemson brought that day, that's who decided that game. And they did it without their starting running back. Without without Shipley or whatever. So, anyway, why did you put Miami 6, North Carolina State 20 on here, Terry? That's awful. The Wolfies, the Wolfies beat the Hurricanes that bad in the you, next game? You want game? me to double check? I'll, I'll double check it. That's what no, we, I was going to say. I was going to lead you, into it saying, speaking of stubbing a toe, I yeah. mean, Miami – 
let me I double think, check it here. Now you're making me wonder if I just wrote it down wrong or something. You, di no, you didn't write you, it was twenty. To, you didn't write it down wrong. I'm only messing with you. But I thought Miami was a better football Three team than this, and it was not good. This was not a good game for them on Saturday. Not a good game at all. So another game I wrote. I, I, talk about some weird stats here, and I put this in our notes: Wake Forest twenty-one, Duke twenty-four. Duke yep. gets the win by a field goal. Wake Forest had 400 yards of offense. Duke had 267. And you think, well, if they're, they're, far, if they're that far off, they must have turned it over. No. Both teams had two turnovers. I don't know. I wish I'd watched this to really understand how this went this way, but Duke gets back on the winning side of things with a 24-21 win over Wake Forest at home. Yeah, and I watched this game. Stat. I watched this game through a, most of halftime, if I'm not mistaken, uh, past halftime. It was really even all the way through, which I thought was unusual because I figured Duke would be able to handle Lake Forest. Um, but to your point, 400 yards, 267, two turnovers. But uh, Duke gets it done. They're bowl eligible, and that's a big deal for the Dukies there. Um, AC, ACC representing really well. Uh, Wake Forest having a down year, you know. I mean, I'm not going to make fun of them or anything. They're just not not the football team they've been over the last few years. But uh, good win for Duke, you know. Um, quarterback still hobbled. Yeah, he's still he's still hurt, but they they keep he keeps playing, and that coach is getting the most out of them, and their defense is really shining. So uh, it doesn't necessarily look like it with Wake Forest with 400 yards, but right. Um, but 400 yards only they equated to 21 points. So that's the other thing. You can bend but not break and it still be okay. Guess they're they're both punting. One of them's punting from closer to midfield than the other one is or something. I, I, I forgot I forgot that on the Nebraska analysis. Our punter didn't kick one for more than 40. You can't flip the can damn you. I'm, I'm like, what is wrong? Where's Cyrus? Somebody get, get my me Cyrus. To do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So let's uh, the standings. You kind of alluded to it earlier. Florida State's punched their ticket, so they're kind of like above the standings at this point. And then Louisville sitting there in the driver's seat. They control their destiny. They're sitting at five and one, but it's just like the Big Twelve. And this is why I love the lack of divisions now. I love this as we go forward. Virginia Tech three and two. Georgia Tech four and two, North Carolina three and two, Duke three and two, Miami two and two, Boston College three and two, NC State three and two. That is seven teams with two losses in the ACC, and Louisville with one loss sitting there. That better keep winning because you get in this big mar of two lost teams. Who knows what happens with that many? And they're not mathematically eliminated. None of them right. are mathematically eliminated right now. Right. That you that you list. Awesome. Even NC exactly. State, three and two. <laughs> right. And they're getting better. I mean, they won the last couple games. Yeah. That, yeah, I think somebody pissed. And that's another coach that got pissed off because somebody said something. Oh yeah, somebody said it was basketball season, kind of like I said about Kentucky and Louisville or whatever that weekend. And they said it about NC State, and he heard about it. It was somebody that was on ESPN said it. You know, they got more than, you know, 
30 listeners, but um, yeah, he got pissed. And he oh, was Dan like, Doran, yeah, Doran. He, like, Dave, Dave Doran. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So they've played a lot better since then. They should thank ESPN for calling them out. Yeah, they should. It's just like Lou Holtz. <laughs> You're either calling out ESPN or Lou Holtz when you get Ryan Day, <laughs> yeah. He's a, golly, that was bad. Oh, Lou. He thought he was, so he thought he was week, still the head coach at Notre Dame. So this week, uh, Virginia visits Louisville for a Thursday night game. Virginia Tech at Boston College. Georgia Tech at Clemson, which could be pretty interesting. Duke at North Carolina, the football version. And we're going to pick this game. This could be a 40-point blowout, but it's a rivalry. I like picking rivalries, even if it's a very one-sided thing. Miami visits Florida State. Why don't you go first this time, sir? I have notes on this. Miami, Florida State. History. All of a sudden, I'm Lee Corso. Let me do my best imitation. History is the only thing that matters in this game. The only thing that makes it close is it's the rivalry between Florida State and Miami. Florida State is going to outclass, dog walk, muscle, beat them up all game long. Cristobal's a very proud coach, but his guys ain't got the juice. They scored six against North Carolina State. Six points. This is in Tallahassee. This is a necessary statement game for Florida State. And you're like, Andrew, you're fucking crazy again. They've already got the ACC spot locked up. But they have to keep winning, and they have to win big Florida State 45, Miami 10. Write it down, Terry. It's a route, and it's a route in Tallahassee. Wow, I didn't pick it that much. I did pick uh, Florida State 31-14, to 14, so I gave them a little bit of a close rivalry game, if you can call that close. As long as he's got his receivers back, he'll hang 500 yards on Miami, and it won't even be – I mean, it won't, it won't be anything but another day at the office. But – and we'll get into it, I suppose, or we can get into it now. It doesn't matter. Style points do matter. You got Washington on the bubble right now as the number five team in the country, and they just beat USC, which I know we're going to talk about, so I'll hold the thought on that. But if your point of separation is how you beat the opponent, Florida State has to roll. They just have to roll all the way on out. So I think, honestly, Florida has a better chance of beating Florida State than Miami, but we'll find out Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I think their top end is a little higher than Miami, but they play a little bit lower than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, they did it against Tennessee. We know it's in them, but we'll see. But, but that might have been their the one and done. Yeah. It may be, but they've got it. So we go to the Pac-12. You mentioned 500 yards being just another day at the office. That describes the Pac-12. Lack of defense, except a couple of teams. And – um one in particular. We're going to get there. Offense. Yes, sir. Yeah. So Let, 1,100. 1,100, Terry. <laughs> 1,100 total yards. 94 points. And go ahead with it because I got a punchline. So before I Spoiler let him alert. say his punchline here, Washington Huskies 52, USC Trojans 42. Uh, not a lot of defense here and a whole bunch of points. The USC defensive coordinator got fired. I didn't realize that position was filled. 
I was going to apply for it. Because at this point, USC is Colorado on steroids. That was your line, not mine. But uh, apparently Lincoln Riley and USC have fallen out of the top 25 for the first time since he's been there. What's he been there? Two years? Three years? I don't give a shit. Doesn't matter. Two, I think. We said that there was no defense played at USC. We've said there was no defense played at Washington. This is going to lead to my larger point. In Eugene, Oregon, they play defense. They may not play defense like they do in Columbus, Ohio, or Ann Arbor, Michigan, or Western Pennsylvania, but they play defense enough in Eugene, Oregon, that that is the best team in the Pac-12. One loss or not, doesn't matter. Um, what I saw Saturday night watching the shootout between I was flipping back and forth because quite frankly, I have no interest in a game where there's 94 total points scored and 1100 total yards run up. Um, but Washington did this pretty handily, did this pretty impressive, and they did it at the Coliseum. That's the bigger thing. They they went into USC's house and they just tore the house down. Um Penix is as good as you thought he is. But I have something for well, you on the on the Oregon front. I think Bo Nick. Well, hold on. Before you a, get there. Is a better quarterback. But go ahead. Well, so we talked about the 52-42 score and said they lit it up. But listen to these stats. Williams, 312 passing yards, three touchdowns. Penix, 256 and a couple of touchdowns and an interception. They weren't tossing the ball around. I mean, these are good numbers for other quarterbacks, but if you're talking about Washington scoring 52 or USC scoring 42, you expect there to be more passing yards than that. But you're Dylan Johnson. Line. There it is. I was going to say, but Dylan Johnson for Washington. Go yeah, ahead, Terry. Yeah, the running back, 256 yards on the ground and four touchdowns. That's huge. No defense, no defensive line, no linebacker play. <clears throat> so concerned about the pass that you couldn't couldn't run blitzer stunts. This was a basketball game. Make no mistake about it. Fast break, fast sprint, all of that stuff. Tons of penalties, a lot of pre-snap penalties for procedure motion, etc. Everything you'd expect in this type of type of shootout. I'm not interested in watching a shootout like this. Um and I don't think we get it in Eugene this coming week against the USC versus the Ducks. Because quack, quack, motherfucker, they play defense. Dan Lanning's football team plays defense. And I know it was Arizona State this week, but God, did they put an ass whooping on them. California. Or California, excuse me. It wasn't Arizona State. You got a little mix-up because there was an ass whooping for Arizona State. Utah. Utah put the ass whooping. But California... California proved to be a very gamey football team, and they got, got a little bit of talent. Yeah, they got shut down, and they got shut down hard by Oregon. But go ahead, Terry. Yeah, Nick's Nick's for three hundred eighty-six yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Tess Johnson. Here's the interesting thing. I don't know if I mentioned this, but um, Bo Nix and Tess Johnson went to high school together um, at Pinson Valley High School. Uh, that's. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say Birmingham. It's a little outside of Birmingham there. But they played high school football together. Bo Nix followed his father to Auburn. 
Tez Johnson, I believe, went to Alabama. They both transferred out and went to Oregon, and they met back up over there. Now, here's another thing about Pinson Valley High School. I went to a prom at Pinson Valley High School one time. We're going to leave out some of those details. So let's move along to the Arizona State-Utah game. Arizona State, uh, they mustered uh, three points against this Utah defense, but Utah puts up 55. We have not really seen that from them this much uh, this year. Uh, 352 rushing yards for, for Utah. Crazy. Dominant, dominant performance for Utah. Cam Rising still out. It was Bryson Barnes again. They lean on the running game, and they lean on the physicality that they bring inside the line of scrimmage. Uh, or on the line of scrimmage, excuse me, both sides of the ball, offense and defense. Utah, still a very imposing, dangerous football team for anybody that wants to play them. If they had Cam Rising, I think the complexion of the of the Pac-12 looks a little bit different, um, but we can't, like I said, next man up, you can't dwell on it. Bryson Barnes had a fantastic game, all bay against Arizona State, but... I mean, that's domination in every statistic, you know, for, for the Utah team. So another it bowl is. season, another great outing by Utah, Pac-12, um, doing a great job before they move, I guess, to the Big 12 um, next year. So, um, again, what looking at that statistic, 352 rushing yards. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a it lot. Is. And it's a lot in the it's a lot in the Pac-12 because the tendency is to throw or do at least be more balanced. You're not leaning necessarily toward the rush. 350 is a lot. and uh, It is. And I think, you know, it's a great, great thing for them. If Bryson Barnes can get comfortable, you still see a 10-win Utah. That's a really good season. When you have Oregon, Washington, USC, I mean, you've got really good football in the Pac-12 right now. If you like the air raid offense, that's what you need to be watching. Um, now, I already said it, but if you want to see defense, watch Oregon. Because to Terry's point, which he was talking about Bo Nix and, and the running back there, um, Tex, Tez Johnson, Dan Lanning was an assistant coach to Kirby Smart. It is no coincidence that he when they decided to enter the draft or the portal, excuse me, I about said draft, but the transfer portal, it is no coincidence that it was familiar with who they are. So um, I think, I think that all worked out. There's a reason what I'm getting at. You're seeing sec guys migrate to migrate to Eugene, Oregon. Mm-hmm. So that's all I'm saying, but a uh, really good outing by those three teams. Uh, USC. One thing Terry predicted, I wrote a note here. You said, this team could end up eight and four, and they certainly are headed that direction. And you said that early, when people thought USC was the number five team in the country. You because we refused to put them any higher than that. I think we had them as high as five, maybe six in our poll. Yeah, but both Kinda of us. Kind of what kept, I'm doing to Washington now. Yeah, both <laughs> of us kept coming to defense, 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 and th- those chickens are coming home to roost. You don't have the game listed, but I'm going to mention it. Colorado loses again, this time to Oregon State. It was the late game. Dion loves it. 24-19, buddy. Um, 
but Coach Prime is not happy. That was much closer than I would expect again. against Oregon State. Oregon State's a pretty good football team. I thought Oregon but, State like was going to beat them by 20 points, but, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Colorado, that's the thing. It's like it's kind of been a pendulum thing with them. Um, it was too much of an expectation this season. Um, of course, then they lose to Oregon and, and um, they end up losing to Stanford. And it's really bottom of the barrel at that point. And everybody talks about they're horrible. Like, no, they got some players. We've talked about that. Don't, don't act like they're the worst team in the league. I mean, they've got some talent. Um, and I hope Dion does well. I love hearing the things that he says to brag about his team. I wish there was more of that, you know. A lot of coaches are not saying a lot of that stuff, but but there's no doubt in his mind that, you know, he's going to be hard on them if, if, if he needs to be hard on them, but he's going to brag on them too. And his well, son Kirby- is getting beat up every week. Every week, no like offensive, no offensive line. And I told you, I told our fans and you a couple weeks ago, if not last week, at some point Shador Sanders was leading in passing yards and leading in number of times sacked. Those two things do not belong together. If you're going to play championship football, those two things do not belong together because he's wow. dropping back, if I'm not mistaken, an average of 40 times a game. And they're all over him. And it doesn't matter what uniform is on the other side of that line of scrimmage, whether it was my little Nebraska Cornhuskers that got him eight times or whether it was Oregon that just shut him down, you know, and, and they're beating him up pillar to post. I mean, he doesn't stand a yeah. chance week in and week out. So he's got to get some help. But uh, I thought I'd mention that because that's something you and I talked about. Oregon State, we thought, was just going to roll. Colorado hung tight. But what keeps him in those games is those players, those athletes, they're really good. They just don't have a complete football team right now. And uh, by the way, sir, one other point on this. Kirby Smart got in trouble for talking so good about Georgia. If you remember, he got lectured when he got home by his wife for saying, how about them fucking dogs? And he said it on national television in a locker room interview, and his wife did not take kindly to that language. So now he does more of a Nick Saban thing. So, you know. Yeah. Well, those wives, you got Miss Terry, and I don't know Kirby's wife's name, but his version of Miss Terry, whatever. whatever oh, I'm sure is. she is exactly like Miss Terry, yeah. 100%. Because Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are clones of each other. So anyway. the other thing I think that's worth mentioning in the Pac-12 this week, UCLA loses to Arizona 2017, and Arizona is just, you know, Turned it around. They're moving forward. They keep winning. They look good. Um, I'm going to try to say this quarterback's name, Noah Fafita, 300 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception for Arizona. I'm going to have to watch one of these games to make sure I get that pronunciation correct. Shut down Chip Kelly's offense, and Chip Kelly's got a pretty good defense, and they put 27 on him. You know, I mean, 27 is not a lot in the Pac-12, don't get me wrong, but we're talking about Arizona. They're not a team that's built the same way as your Washington, as your Oregon, as your USC. They, they, they're more of a standard football team. They got to play some defense, which they do, and they got to play offense. UCLA is the same way, basically. Very similar mold, 27, 17 points. I mean, that's a big deal. And, um, you know, we kind of mentioned Chip Kelly, or I did. He's the man who did the one-minute offense at Oregon. 
You know, I mean, it was play after play. He was snapping at what, 15 seconds, 20 seconds on plays at the most. And um, nobody ran it as well as Kelly did when he had all those athletes at Oregon trying to do that a little bit there in, uh, in, in UCLA, but he's got the, the, the other benefit he has that he didn't have at Oregon right away. He's got a defensive line, but Arizona, to your point, we've talked about what a good football team they are a few weeks in a row, um, knowing they're a good football team, but they're in the wrong division or wrong, wrong conference this yep. year. Um, uh, they're playing good football. It just happens to be they're playing good football in a loaded conference, and unfortunately for them, they're going to end up being victims to that eight and four, nine and three, seven and five, whatever it happens to be when it all shakes out. Yes, because they just don't have the talent level of a couple other teams. And they took a bad beat early, right? Then they then they lose early to somebody they should have beat. Yeah, I think so. State beat Arizona early. That, in the year, yeah. and and honestly, let's face it, Terry. Mississippi State had no business beating Arizona. But go ahead. Right. Move on. So uh, let's look at week 11. We only have a couple of games I listed here. These are big games, though. Uh, the first one, USC at Oregon. We're not picking this one because I think both of us, like we've said, we think USC is Colorado with a little bit more talent. Um, we think Oregon should handle this. Three scores, it's Terry. Oregon. Give me, Give me a full yeah. 21 in Eugene. I'm not, like you said, don't pick the score, but I think Dan Lanning's crowd gets it done. I think Caleb Williams has been demoralized with these three consecutive losses. And I think you see a USC team that maybe we may be having the Batman Bane effect here shortly with the Ducks. They're going to take him, pick him up over his knee and break his back. And I mean, the defense of Oregon is going to allow him to do it. I really think you're going to see a blowout here. Go Ducks. Quack, quack, quack all the way to the Pac-12 championship. All right, so let's go up to Washington, and they are going to host a pretty hot Utah Utes team. And um, I'm looking forward to this because Washington better show up this weekend. Let's pick this game. You go first. Okay, so Utah, we're going to concede, doesn't have Cam Rising. Bryson Barnes is in. I'm taking my boys – the Utes, Utah, getting the upset, 24-21. They're going to hold Washington. They're going to stop Penix, and that defense is going to grind it out. Washington doesn't have much of one, so it works out for Utah because they don't necessarily need to score tons and tons of points. They're going to lean on that rushing attack and make that line of scrimmage be the battleground. 24-21, Utah gets it done over Washington this week. Interesting pick. I'm going to go against you. I think Washington's going to play up for this big game, kind of like they did against Oregon earlier in the year, um, against the best defense they've seen so far this season. Uh, I think they will get 34, and it's going to be a little bit too much for Utah as they win 34-28. It's going to be a good one. Can't wait. So, okay, that's the Pac-12 for you guys. Um, I think we disagreed on two of the five this week. I'll have to go back and look, but that's good. I like hearing those disagreements. Um, let me run through the other undefeateds, and uh, we have one less of those because Air Force comes in undefeated, and Army did not care 
Army wins 23-3 at Air Force this week to end their undefeated reign and leaves us with two. James Madison in the Sun Belt puts it on Georgia State 42-14. Liberty and Conference USA uh, with a 56-30 beatdown of Louisiana Tech. Um, not a lot of defense in that game, obviously. Liberty's putting it on them. They continue to roll. So we're down to two undefeated teams outside the Power Five. I'm going to have to take your word for it because I watched the Air Force Army game or at least a few minutes of it. Every snap, Air Force looked like they didn't look – they didn't look like an undefeated team. It looked like Army had their number, and I don't know exactly what happened, but nothing Air Force tried offensively worked. Uh, the other two I'll games – I'll tell you what happened. I'll be honest. They said last week I picked them to lose, and they said <laughs> we've got to make sure we make Terry look like an idiot, and then we'll lose next week. That's what could they be. But I didn't watch James Madison, obviously, and I didn't watch <laughs> I didn't watch Liberty. Um, there's too much other good football on. Those guys don't stand a chance. Air Force had a great run. Obviously, they're going to get a bowl game out of it. Um, just. I don't know. Like I said, it looked like they just shit the bed um, on Saturday. So, um, anyway, good season. You know, nine wins at Air Force is a big deal. And I hate to say it like that, but the Air Force Academy is not necessarily known for their football team. So, um, we'll see if James Madison and uh, – who is it, James Madison and Liberty can Liberty. Fi finish undefeated. They got three three more games, looks like. Something like that, yeah. Good deal. Yeah, Hugh Freeze's old team going undefeated to not making us feel great, but, you know, whatever. Lasting effect of Freeze over there, I think. Maybe that's it. So uh, let me run down. Let me just run through the top ten. Um, we got Ohio State at number one this week, followed by Georgia. Uh, those are the two teams that get our first-place votes. Michigan, Florida State, and Oregon – Round out the top five. We've obviously got Oregon over Washington in Pac-12. That's a little controversial. Six through ten are Alabama, who keeps rising. Then there's Washington at seven, still undefeated, followed by Penn State, Texas, and Louisville. After us hyping them up like we have, we got them finally making it to the top ten, and they deserve it. They are at number ten for us this week. Yeah, I mean, and even I even I acknowledged it earlier. Ohio State's a good football team, but fuck them anyway. I cannot stand to see them at number one in my poll. It's my poll. Terry's only half a contributor. Uh, no, seriously, though. Our poll, I think the computer poll has them ranked too high because they're not below 50. And, of course, the, the uh, not BCS, the playoff poll, um, Interesting that they were number one. I know that we've we're on a time clock because you've got you've got an obligation. Uh, but interesting to me because I think like us, Terry, those twelve or fifteen guys on the playoff football committee didn't know who to put number one either. Because there it's wasn't tough. really a clear number one. Um my problem could, every week is Florida State because I'm sitting there picking, and I get to Florida State, and I'm like, I want to pick Florida State higher in this ranking, but there's so many freaking teams up there. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's tough. 
And that's and I why got, I kind of boosted them up. It didn't move them, but it, it felt like I did, I needed to boost them up a little bit. I gave them an extra point, you know. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Like, when we're talking about these things, there's 12 guys on the college football playoff that have to decide which team they're going to leave out. You know, um, Alabama felt that last year. Um, and Nick Saban said, you know, we could have beat TCU, blah, 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 blah. And he's probably correct, honestly. But TCU was on the run of a lifetime. As we've talked about, that was one team that's not a program, you know, because look at what they've done now. I mean, they have really just fallen from grace this year. Um, but I think that they've got it right, honestly, the college football playoff. I think your Georgia, whether what order you put them in doesn't really matter at this point. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State. I think that's fairly well undisputed. Washington had that really good win over Oregon. But they haven't faced a lot of defense. And we know when Washington draws Georgia or Michigan or Ohio State or even Florida State, they're going to see a better defense than they see every week. We know that. That's a fact. That's not an opinion. Um, Outside of Arizona, Oregon State, and um, Oregon – there's not a whole lot of defense in the Pac-12. You know, UCLA gets a good pass rush with their front four, but they also lose on the back end. So if you can get over the top, you can win football games. So anyway, just wanted to mention college football comes out 8 o'clock. That's the ranking. Terry's probably correct. I see nothing to change the top five, personally. Nothing. I think you're going to see Ohio State remain number one. You, of course... Georgia probably be number two, Michigan, Florida State, and rounding it out is Washington. I don't see anything that changes that. I know we got a minute. Do you agree? Disagree? What do you think? On the well, I think the only well, I I think you're right about the teams. I think the only thing that we ever see really adjust the order of these things is if they have two teams from the same conference. I think if we were going to have that, it would be from the Big Ten this year. But I think it would need some help. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. You know, um, I think we got teams that are winning their conference that deserve to be there. There's going to be enough of those that we don't get two from the same conference in this year. But that's also the reason I'm looking forward to next year when we have 12 and we stop the nonsense of, oh, we can't have these two teams be two and three. They they are in the same conference. Bull crap. If they're the second and third best teams in the country, they should be two and three. I don't care what it is. Exactly. Okay, they're, you know. Anyway, um, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to larger, more competitive conferences. I'm looking forward to major shifts in college football in the coming years. You know, maybe some teams get left behind. But reality is, for us to get more good football, some teams have to be left behind. It's just reality. That's what I'm looking forward to next year, the years beyond. But, you know, we can talk about this year. I think we're going to have a good playoff. I think there is so much evenness at the top. Nobody is standing out as the team. You know, a couple of teams have it in them to do that. But, you know, here comes that word, consistency. That consistency has not been there to show that they're going to walk away with it. So I'm looking forward to it. 
Uh, these last few weeks are going to be awesome. We're going to have a great bowl season. Championship games are going to be great. I think the playoffs are going to be wonderful. It's been awesome having this show all year. Do you have any final thoughts before I wrap it up for us, sir? The only thing is, Oregon's on the outside looking in right now. But if you like the word consistency, they're probably the most consistent team in football. That's right. Because they play all four quarters. They play tough defense. You know they can score. Bo Nix might make a mistake or two. He's going to throw a pick. But on the back side of it, or the front side, however you want to look at it, he's going to throw three or four touchdowns too. So it's, you know. Um, That's and right. I don't, I don't talk. tough. I don't talk great about Bo Nix because he's your guy. But Bo Nix <laughs> Bo Nix needs to be, at this point in time, along with Penix and along with um, J.J. McCarthy, because the Heisman Trophy winners for the quarterback, I don't care what anybody says, um, those to me are your three Heisman Trophy finalists right now. If they were to vote now as to who the candidates are, you can't deny those three, I don't think. You can, can't deny Michigan's quarterback can't deny Oregon's quarterback. He can't deny Washington's quarterback because ultimately that's, that's what, that's what it's become. The Heisman has become who's the best quarterback in the country. You know, Alabama's got three of them in a row. Um, mm -hmm. They will not get the one this year, but right. Mac Jones, they got, they got Bryce young and they got uh, Tagovailoa. So, or no, do it didn't win it. Maybe he did. I forget. Or if it was Jalen Hurts won it though. So either way, it's uh and I guess he wanted it Oklahoma, but whatever. I don't care. It's a roll tide. Anyway, <laughs> the point being, you got all those quarterbacks at Alabama. They're not they're not on the list this year because he's not even playing at that level. Milrow's not even playing at that level. So um it'll be fun. We're in the final stretch, the final three games of the season before we get to the championship and Buddy, I'm looking forward to uh, the Oregon game because I want to see – I want to see, and it's not to say that if you fall on your face or eat eat shit or not or whatever, because uh, I feel exactly like you do. I want to see Oregon dismantle USC. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I want to I wanna see Oregon – they did it to Cal, but I want to see Oregon put 60 on USC and just make a statement like, we told y'all – we for real were two plays away from beating Washington because we we could have kicked two field goals instead of you know and like I said I don't even think Dan Lanning feels bad about those choices but he might make a different decision in the Pac-12 title game he might kick the field goal the next time around so that's um, right he better but a little I, bit a little bit more <laughs> reason in the coaching choices just a little bit a little bit that's all it takes sometimes. But I think that, I mean, I think we're in for a fun ride. I want to tell our listeners, because they listen to my crazy ass every week, we appreciate it. We love you. We love the interaction. Uh, have a lot of fun with our guys, Dave, Timmy, Bryant, um, Yambag, getting on my case about Ohio State, you know. Um, and even our girls that love Sam Hartman and his damn beard. Uh, <laughs> Terry can't get behind Notre Dame, but, you know, uh, <laughs> our, our, we got a couple friends that love Sam Hartman and love that beard, but he sent them a photo of Sam Hartman clean shaven, and neither of them responded very well to uh, clean shaven Sam Hartman. So, anyway, like you said, maybe the power's in the beard. Who knows? It's no shave November, so hopefully he grows the damn thing back. But 
buddy, I'm looking forward to a few of these games. Hopefully both our teams are bowl eligible next week. Don't forget, That's everybody, right. college football playoff, the poll that matters, even though ours is correct, never wrong. But the one that matters exactly. comes out tomorrow at 8 o'clock because somehow Terry and I got left off the committee. I don't know how that happened. Again. Again. We got Again. left off the committee. I've been checking the mailbox every day. <laughs> I mean, they'll right, put Tom folks. Osborne on the committee, but they won't put me. And I'm like his biggest <laughs> exactly. fan. So what's Let's the look at the resumes. Come on. Oh, have they my. never played the video game like I have? Anyway. So if you want to hear more chatter or read it on social media between the two of us knuckleheads, uh, you can follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. We are at T and A Top 10. I'm T Weave 79. He is 30 year fan. We appreciate you listening. Um, if you want to go give us a review, please make it good. Don't give us the bull crap. We don't want that. We do uh, that we enough appreciate... ourselves. Bull crap enough ourselves. <laughs> I got that covered for everybody. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Well, like I said, we do appreciate you listening. Uh, we'll help you come back next week. I'm Terry, he's Andrew, and it's been fun. Have a great week, everybody.